Hello, and welcome to the Called Out Cafe podcast. My name is Doug Hooley. Today, I'm beginning the second series of podcasts on the Called Out Cafe, in which we'll be looking at what the Bible has to say about the supernatural realm of creation, the unseen or spiritual world. No need to get creeped out. This isn't the stuff that the world's version of Halloween is made of. I'll be taking a non-sensationalistic, pragmatic look at the storyline contained in the Bible that most ignore today. Ignorance of this topic is what can lead to scary, spooky, and creepy feelings about this stuff. If you stick with this podcast to the end of this series, you may never read your Bible in the same way again. Storylines within the Bible you may have never noticed before may come alive. You may finally understand why God did some of the things He did in the Old Testament. And, most importantly, you perhaps will see why Jesus is even more of a courageous, in-your-face superhero than you ever previously thought. As it relates to understanding the message contained in the Bible, the importance of understanding the worldview of the human authors who contributed to the content of the Bible cannot be overstated. More than 1900 years after Revelation, the last book found in the Bible was written, if we want to understand the intended meaning of Scripture, it's our job to remove the copious strata of religious muck which has piled up over the years off the top of it. We also need to remove the filters and lenses of our own 21st century worldview. Before what became the canon of Scripture was even done being written, Paul wrote to the called-out ones of Galatia these words, quote, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be under a curse, unquote. That's from uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verse 8. To understand any of what Paul taught in his letters, we must first understand what Paul wrote according to Paul's own worldview, or we're in danger of superimposing our 21st century worldview on the words of Paul. Misinterpreting the essentials of what he wrote would be to receive a false gospel contrary to the one Paul taught. In other words, the false gospel Paul warned of in Galatians 1.8 will not necessarily only intentionally occur at the hands of a false teacher, but it may occur because in 1950 years of church bureaucracy, cultural influences such as what's occurred during the Enlightenment, and the natural gravitational attraction of humans towards religion. From my deep dive research on church history, I've noted three major areas where the culture of the church has had a major impact on obscuring the worldview of the ancient biblical authors and the primitive ecclesia. First, the loss of understanding of the Old Testament teachings from the perspective of the ancient Hebrews. Second, the loss of emphasis the early ecclesia placed on living with expectancy of the second coming and the end of the age. Third, the loss of the supernatural worldview that the ancients, specifically the Hebrews, throughout the Old and New Testament eras held in common. In the last series I did on the Called Out Cafe, the focus was on the second coming and the end of the age. This time, it's the last of these three topics that's the focus of this podcast the loss of the supernatural worldview that the ancients held. You probably noted my use of the word ecclesia. 
Ecclesia is the Greek word used in the New Testament that's commonly translated as church. That is a mistranslation. Ecclesia is more accurately translated as the called out ones. We know the word ecclesia was likely used first in Athens when groups of citizens were called out from among the rest for a special purpose. Purposes like deciding if the city should go to war or engage in some type of public work. That's the meaning behind the word as Jesus used it. He was referring to his people, which would be called out from among all the rest for his special purpose. I use ecclesia instead of the word church because that word, church, comes from another Greek word that's only used a couple of times in the New Testament, meaning the house of the Lord. It literally refers to a building. I personally strongly believe that the institutional church has become something that does not represent Jesus. That's what the book I'm working on is talking about. So when I refer to the church, unless I slip, and I do, I'm referring to the institutional church that's developed over the last two millennia. And when I use the word ecclesia, I'm speaking of the body of Christ, those whom God has elected to eternal salvation and Jesus has purchased with his own blood and called out from among the rest to be his own people. Back to the topic at hand. Deterioration of the first century Ecclesia's worldview of the supernatural sphere began almost immediately. It started with the diminishing of Jewish Christianity and the increase of the Gentile paganized worldview. The weakening of the biblical view of the unseen realm picked up speed as Augustine of Hippo in the 4th century put his quill to parchment after Rome embraced the church. But the largest impact by far has occurred since the Reformation of the 16th century. It was during the Enlightenment and modern era that man's reason and, quote, science, unquote, relatively quickly provided the dominant lenses through which we interpret Scripture pertaining to the unseen realm. To get along with the newly formed or invented secular world, as far as possible, the interpretation of Scripture changed to what would better suit the natural world, what can be observed and explained by humans in natural terms. Today, what the Bible plainly says about the supernatural realm, when left unfiltered and explained away through human reason, offends our 21st century, rational, science-based sensibilities. Although few would admit it, or even be aware they're doing it, Explaining away the supernatural has become a part of many teachers' basic set of hermeneutics, the rules we interpret Scripture by. It no longer takes any effort to remove the supernatural from the meaning of Scripture. It's the subconscious default of many who interpret and teach the Bible. There, of course, is nothing wrong with being rational. But where does limiting the knowledge of human beings to that which can only be observed through our senses leave us regarding a part of created reality which human beings are not equipped to observe for themselves? An unobservable realm, equally as real, and perhaps as large, or maybe even infinitely larger, as the one we can observe. One that we can only know about through divine revelation. To ignore credible revelation such as found in the Bible 
is not a rational thing to do. For those of us who believe that Scripture was given to us by God for the purpose of knowing things we could not know otherwise. Truly, the Enlightenment era, as far as understanding Scripture, would be more appropriately titled The Great Darkening, since it's during that time that humans began to try and explain away the realm of the Spirit through physical explanations, things humans have had experience with and can relate to. Explanations that do not offend our scientific, rational minds or make the follower of Christ look, at least as bad, to their contemporary non-believers. The face-value understanding of the supernatural, as depicted in Scripture, is downplayed to save face with our unbelieving friends, family members, and peers. Many categorize ancient man, even God's chosen people when necessary, as poor, superstitious saps. Some say, if only they would have been privy to the knowledge we have today, they never would have said the things they did in Scripture. They just didn't know how to accurately convey what God was trying to get across to mankind. They did the best they could, given they were poor, superstitious saps. Or, some might say of the ancients, They were the product of the culture around them and were describing things the best they could according to the primitive culture they were familiar with. Well, that's just a nicer way of calling them poor superstitious saps. However, I contend that the first century Jew, including Jesus, Paul, the rest of the apostles, would have had a completely different, more accurate worldview regarding the unseen spiritual realm and could have taught us many things about it that would indeed offend our delicate, the unseen world scares me, rational, I've never seen, heard, touched, or smelled an angel, minds. What will follow in this podcast series is a summary of what I currently understand the Bible teaches when we remove our 21st century Western lenses. I view what I'm going to talk about as only scratching the surface of what the Bible has to say about the topic. On a personal note, I didn't think the story contained in the Bible could get any bigger or more fantastic. It was sometime in the 1990s that I painfully let go of the selfish idea that the story contained in the Bible did not revolve around me. It wasn't about my health, wealth, or success, and it had nothing to do with my desires, personal preferences, or comfort. The story contained in the Bible revolves around Jesus. In the chief supporting role are the elect, the called-out people of God, the ecclesia, or what many think of as the church. Then it was not much later that I let go of some of the last dispensational church-centric teaching I'd thought to be true that the church had replaced Israel in many ways in this current age we live in. But what I came to know as being true is that since the time of Jacob and on into the age to come, Israel has always been and will be one of the primary leading characters in the story God is telling. But for me, the story grew again as I reconsidered the role of the realm of the Spirit has played and continues to play in it. It's no longer even a story that centers around the physical universe. Jesus is and always will be at the center of the story. It's what surrounds Jesus that's changed for me. Previously, 
It was always about God's plan to redeem man and eventually restore his creation to an Eden-like state. The spirit realm has always existed in my mind for the benefit of mankind. I thought God had created it for only that purpose. For example, he created angels to occasionally communicate with people and do things like rolling stones away, or at least one of them. I knew that some angels rebelled and caused people problems. But the story was still all about mankind and our relationship with him. There were several passages of scripture that I've read through in the past decades that I took note of, thought they were strange, puzzled over them, half-heartedly accepted someone's half-baked interpretation of them, and then moved on. They served as a series of unconnected dots that I always wanted one day to take another hard look at. As you'll hear in the coming podcasts, at least some of the dots make more sense to me now. A few of the dots have even become connected with others. What I now believe is that the supernatural, unseen spirit realm is very real, and it, like the physical creation we live in, is especially important to God, and it plays an enormous part in His story. It, like our physical universe, is full of creatures that I can go so far as to say, God loves. He's even called at least some of them his, quote, sons, unquote. The story he's telling remains centered on Jesus, but the story being told is not only for the benefit of mankind, it's also for the benefit of the millions of inhabitants of the spiritual realm that he's created along with us. Many of them, who have never rebelled against the Most High God, will be our companions in eternity. So, where did this come from? Why did I choose this topic for this podcast series? Well, this topic has been an important and interesting one to me for decades. As you might recall, or at least heard of if you're younger, a man named Frank Peretti wrote a book called This Present Darkness in the 1980s, and then followed it with a book called Piercing the Darkness. He wrote some other ones, too, that kind of pertain to this same topic. Well, drawing on some biblical concepts and a great deal of imagination and speculation, Frank Peretti filled in a lot of blanks about what's going on in the world that we cannot see into. I loved those novels. There were several other books that were along the same lines that were going around, like the late Dave Hunt's The Archon Conspiracy. Well, around the time those books came out, I happened to be an elder in the church I was attending, and we arranged for the guy who claimed to advise Mr. Peretti on the technical aspects of spiritual warfare, according to the Bible, to come and put on a one-day seminar. That was a very interesting day. It was the beginning of what became more than an interest in the topic for me. In the mid-90s, my wife Angela and I co-authored a yet-to-be-published novel called The First Witness. It's a fiction based on the creation account found in Genesis. We did a great deal of study on the first 10 chapters of Genesis as background for the story, and we had to wrestle with how the details most likely played out, including where angels and demons came from, and what the interaction between Adam, Eve, and Satan may have looked like. I formulated some pretty strong opinions based on our study. And during the late 90s, I began writing a monthly publication called The Watchful Watchman. That publication came in response to a disturbing phenomenon I noticed taking place in the church. 
There was a lot of confusion regarding the return of Jesus because of the impending year 2000, Y2K. Most of what was being said was unbiblical and over-sensationalized. I was compelled, I believe by the Holy Spirit, to provide a balanced approach to the topic of the second coming for those within my sphere of influence. So I engaged in several years of intensive study on the topic while I published the paper. Years later, much of the fruit of that study served as the basis for my first book titled Watch, the book that the last series of the podcast was based on. There are many, many things in the study of the end of the age that overlap with the study of the spiritual realm. Again, that intensive study led to some informed opinions regarding what's going on in the unseen realm. During the time these things were taking place, I had some things happen in my life that were unexplainable. Some of those experiences were shared with Angela, my wife, phenomenon that I puzzled over for years, searching for and trying to come up with physical explanations for what had happened. I won't go into those things right now. I tell you this because I have had personal experience with activity that was apparently initiated in the supernatural realm that manifested itself in the physical realm. At this point, no one will ever be able to convince me otherwise. I look forward to asking the Lord one day about why those things specifically occurred. But I think I have at least part of the answer now. Again, more on that later. Anyway, I've had several personal experiences that have confirmed for me the reality of the unseen realm. The existence of that realm is not an academic theory to me. It is absolutely real. For the last two decades, I've been associated with a community of believers in which I have a deep respect for those that teach and have taught there. I've learned things there that have rocked my spiritual world. Some things I learned while desperately trying to hold on to the things that I had wrong. In my mind, I went kicking and screaming. Every time I have disagreed with what has been taught, I've been driven to study the Bible even more. So, I view these disagreements over some topics in the Bible as being very productive. But the results of my studies have not always found me in complete agreement with the teachers at this fellowship. There's some things that I continued to differ with them on. Specifically, several things that I was driven to study for myself will be covered in this podcast series on the biblical worldview of the supernatural realm. But what has brought this series about at this particular time, after decades of interest and study, is essentially three things. First, I've just completed an intensive review of church history and took note of what I already stated. The Enlightenment has all but destroyed the biblical worldview of the supernatural realm. And becoming reacquainted with that realm, according to the Bible, really got me excited about sharing some of the things I've learned over the years, and the podcast is a great way to do so. Secondly, I've noted some other followers of Jesus that are in my life were more and more questioning what I consider to be solid biblical truth about things pertaining to the spirit realm. The final straw in this regard was when I heard one brother speaking of hell. He was saying, quote, as if there really is a place where soul goes to be held and tortured, unquote. He was sounding very critical of anyone who would believe such a literal interpretation of Scripture. 
When I heard others questioning what happens to followers of Jesus when they die, I knew I needed to make a case for what the biblical worldview of the spiritual realm is. Finally, I can't help but notice the amount of deception going on in the world today, the kind of deception that Jesus warned of during his Olivet Discourse, the kind of false information that could even deceive the elect if that were possible. Please don't assume you know what I mean by this. I believe the deception runs deep and that people on both sides of the issues that have entered into our culture are being deceived to different extents. This deception is causing unprecedented passionate division. People are being compelled to take sides that may line up with political views, but not necessarily God's views. Well, I believe residents of the spirit realm, specifically Satan and his minions, are behind this deception. It became important to me to be able to articulate how Satan works. All of this is behind how and why I'm now bringing you this podcast series. It's not because I read some guy's book or that it's a trendy topic. In short, I believe it to be an important and timely topic that God has prepared me for for years to talk about. What we're limited to experiencing now, here, in the physical realm, is biblically speaking, an extremely small percentage of what eternity holds for us. Gaining this perspective is one of several reasons why this topic is so important. Learning about the unseen realm is not only to satisfy our curiosity. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, quote, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. That's found in Colossians 3, verses 1 to 3. Rather than dwelling on the issues of the day or the things of this world, right here, right now, we're given the advice by Paul to set our minds on the things that are in the unseen realm. The practice of setting our minds on the things that are above is so that we can maintain perspective on what's really going on here and now, what's important. And that's not a random thought that Paul had. Yet, how many of us know the first thing about the things that are above? How can we know about them? Well, Paul also said this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. That's found in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. When Jesus returns, the unseen realm will no longer be a mystery. What God wants us to know about the unseen realm then will be clear, perhaps even before then when we die. But Paul is not telling us that we can't know anything about what's in the unseen realm ahead of us. We can know now, in part, primarily from what's been revealed in Scripture. However, there is this issue of seeing through a mirror. In other words, as we're trying to discern the unseen things and interpret what Scripture has to say about what lay ahead, we superimpose the current world we're living in as though we're looking into a mirror. 
we tend to filter and interpret everything according to our 21st century worldview. Setting aside our worldview, even temporarily, is almost impossible to do unless we train ourselves to do so and consciously and methodically practice it. It's not through science, philosophy, technology, or the wisdom of man that we can know anything about what lies on the other side of this mirror that Paul talked about. But through the wisdom of God, he reveals to us in his word, illuminated by his Holy Spirit. When attempting to grasp truth concerning that which we cannot see, we must attempt to abandon our worldview in favor of the biblical worldview. Here's some more words from the Apostle Paul. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. That's found in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 to 11. If the unseen realm is real and truly does affect us, while we only interpret what's going on around us according to the typical 21st century science-based skeptical rational worldview, not considering what may be happening in the unseen spiritual realm, then we're in danger of at least partially being out of touch with reality. At least some of the secret and hidden wisdom of God, Paul wrote of, has been made available to his elect through his word and his spirit. I, for one, would have missed some things that have occurred around me in my life if not for such access to the wisdom of God. How much are we missing because of our willful lack of knowledge and unbelief that it is possible to know at least some things about how the unseen realm operates? Yet another reason to understand the unseen realm is to displace fear of the unknown. Many never, in their entire lives, become aware of brushing up against the unseen realm. However, for those that do, it can be horrifying. In fact, it's the stuff that the phenomenally successful horror movie industry is dependent on. But for those elect on the earth who are hidden in Jesus and aware of the truth concerning the unseen realm, there is nothing scary about it. What follows in this podcast will sound like a completely different paradigm to most who grew up in the church or continue to attend today. For many who grew up in the evangelical church, it would be difficult enough to accept that what's written in the Bible, God's divine drama, does not revolve around them personally, or that it's not all just about spreading the gospel or doing good works or placing unity with others above all else. They refuse to believe they're only part of those who make up the cast of millions in God's story. Yes, deeply and personally loved and set apart from the rest, but still 
just one of millions of other created beings who could make the same claim. It would also be difficult to accept that the story in the Bible does not revolve around the church. But as difficult as those things may be to understand, it may be more difficult to understand or accept that God's divine drama has contained yet another major storyline all along, the complex scenes playing out in the supernatural realm. The supernatural realm and all who live in it, like the physical natural realm we live in, is also part of what God created. But it is the realm where our unique, omnipotent, sovereign, most high God Yahweh has chosen to be present and interact with his creation full time, like he only rarely did in the physical realm in the days of the Old Testament, and like he did in the physical realm when Jesus, the very image of Yahweh, made flesh, walked among us. Yes, the transcendent, incomprehensible God that no one has seen still exists and does whatever he does outside of both realms of his creation. But the spiritual realm is where he is openly present and interacts with his creation right now. Why does God need such a realm where, as you'll learn, he appears to place other heavenly beings in charge of different matters, asks their opinions, allows them, at least from their perspective, to make choices which sometimes result in rebellion? The answer is the same to the question, why does he, God, give humans things to do, put kings and presidents in charge of nations, tell us to pray, appear to change his mind because of our petitions, like in the case of Moses, and allow us, from our perspective, to make choices and even rebel against him? Or, why does he allow what looks like, from our perspective, blatant evil to run rampant on the earth? Because it's the story that he, the divine author, is telling in the way that he wants to tell it in his wisdom. It's the way he has chosen to operate. It's the way he has designed things to work. As the author of the story, it is all his prerogative. It is not our story to be critical of. It turns out that the story is much more complex than what we are normally equipped to witness from day to day. There's far more going on than our senses pick up. The only way we can know about it is what God has chosen to occasionally reveal. Most of that has been recorded in the Bible. I know I didn't give you a lot of substance in this episode, but I think it's important for you to know the background as to why I have undertaken this series. This is a big topic. One may become easily lost as to what I'm saying and where I'm going if I don't approach it carefully. I believe if you stick with it to the end, you're going to have a lot to think about as things fall into place. In the next episode, I'll give a short summary of the specific topics I intend on covering in this series. I won't go into a great deal of detail or provide much defense of what I'm saying in the next episode. I'll leave that for when I cover each topic in detail. But until then, may God richly bless you and Maranatha. Until my next podcast, you can follow me on Facebook by going to the Doug Hooley Ministries page. I'm on Twitter at, at Doug H. Ministries. And I'm on Instagram at Doug Hooley Ministries. 
Find out about what I'm working on and read some of my blogs at DougHooley.com or email me at Doug at DougHooley.com. That's Doug at D-O-U-G-H-O-O-L-E-Y.com. I'd love to hear from you. This has been the Called Out Cafe. So long and God bless. Yeah.